got a bonus episode for you this week. I have a very special guest on with me today to discuss the global dairy trade auction from Tuesday. And then we're going to have a chat about some key fundamentals down in New Zealand. Stu Davison is a dairy analyst from NZX, the New Zealand trading exchange, but he brings a unique flair to the team because he's also a born and bred Waikato dairy farmer, venturing now into life on the other side of the farm gate. As an analyst for NZX, he has the ability to use his knowledge of the New Zealand dairy systems to provide insight to global customers around New Zealand milk as well as dairy production. Stu, thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I think we should kick this off with a bit of a weather update, if you don't mind. We're kind of curious here whether those soil moisture maps are telling us the truth or not. What's going on down there? Yeah, well, unfortunately, they are telling the truth. However, there's a few facets to remember on, on those ones. Uh, the Waikato on the whole, you know, our biggest region for dairy in New Zealand, actually did really well. There's lots of grass around. Conditions for growing are really good, considering we're late. Temperatures are cooling off, but not terrible just yet. So a lot of farmers are quite happy with where they are. Um, I was actually in the Waikato uh, earlier this week, and to be honest, a lot of grass and a lot of happy farmers. So they're looking to go into winter um, pretty positive. That stretches into Taranaki, they're much the same, similar conditions, a little bit colder. Uh, Northland is actually looking quite good at the moment, a little bit more grass than they used to at this time of year, and they're pretty happy with it. The kicker for uh, New Zealand at the moment is the South Island, and the South Island at the moment is actually quite dry. If you look at the soil moisture map, the East Coast is annihilated, which is not ideal. Fortunately for dairy farmers in the South Island, they run on irrigation, especially in the Canterbury region. So... Canterbury is running quite good. They've got good grass covers still. They're still milking. They're ticking away. However, they, they're struggling with water take. There is the possibility they would be restricted on water if they keep going into next season. And these sort of things are starting to you know, tick away in the back of people's minds. Dryland farms in Canterbury are, for need of a better term, wrecked. There's not a lot of growth happening if you don't have an irrigator and it's really impacting crops. So crop guys are starting to complain, starting to talk about the word drought, which is a little bit scary when it's May, which is our middle, uh, you know, late autumn. So these sort of impacts are going to flow into next season. Southland was looking very dry earlier, had a little bit of rain recently and it's coming right. But the same thing, we're looking at going into a winter in the Southland with grass covers a lot lower than normal and winter crops probably a little bit behind where they should be. So there will be a bit of a feed demand for local feed, but um, on the whole, they should survive it okay, but it's kind of what the impact will come in spring is going to be the real factor. Wow, thank you for that. we got to run through on both islands. I love it. Depending on who you talk to, yeah, farmers seem to be quite happy, but the folks I talked to in the South seem to be pretty upset that the season isn't going as well as last year, that's for sure. Speaking to autumn and into winter, are there any sentiment changes around winter grazing? Are farmers starting to implement any changes there to get ahead of potential policy changes or nothing really on the radar right now? No, there's there's a lot. So it's a big, pretty big topic down in the South Island, especially Southland. The government and local councils are pushing pretty hard to change winter grazing in New Zealand to deal with the sort of the image and the animal welfare problems. We have, you know, this year they've given another year of leeway to change that regulation and ruling. So that's kind of a breathing room for farmers in Southland, which has been quite nice. But we are actually seeing farmers take that on board and changing their systems. Um, And we've seen that dynamic between uh, winter grazers and dairy farmers change as well to to sort of uh, negotiate the differences, which is very important to keep the relationship going and using different land properly so we don't have this ongoing problem. So Definitely things change in Southland. Canterbury is very similar because they understand these things are going to roll through this region as well. So 
the mindset is changing. We won't see the massive change in the enforcement this year, but as this starts to become more commonplace in South Island, it will, will change the system extremely. So good and bad. Uh, the, the weather's definitely impacting prospective crops, and that's going to have an impact when we get to the middle of winter when that feed's really required. So some guys are on edge about it, and some guys are okay. It depends on what sort of growing system uh, the winter crop's under at the moment. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Let's dig into this recent global dairy trade auction. How about that sell-off on butter? I mean, yeah, sure, it's bound to happen, but wow, we haven't seen this sort of drop in six years. No, I was going to say it really shocked us when we, we woke up to it. And um, we, we expected a bit of a fall with that added, added volume from Fonterra, but 12.1% really kind of knocked the socks off us all. So, but like you say, it kind of had to happen at one point with the bull run it's had over the last six months. And Posting well above, you know, fat value, it's it's not surprising that buyers have started to step away. So not a surprise, but a little bit disappointing for the local farmers to see the fat side fall away again. Yeah, the Fonterra really kept adding more fat on over the last couple of months. So the, the added volume of butter, uh, we're actually seeing through the Waikato uh, strong milk production with on the back of strong grass growth through uh, summer and into early autumn. A lot of Fonterra's butter and fat plants are actually in the Waikato Taranaki. So we're seeing that increased volume. There's about a 17.1% increase uh, year on year, March 21 versus 2020 for the North Island milk collection. That literally translates into far more butter than normally compared to last year, especially when there's a drought year, Fonterra was struggling to process as much product through the Waikato Taranaki. Compared to this year, a lot more milk, a lot more butter going through butter plants. All of a sudden, they've got an influx of butter on the market. We're seeing that come through now, pushed onto GDT, purely because, well, we've been told Fonterra is telling us the market wants more butter. We've seen that, that the Chinese, they, the North Asia especially, bought more butter on this GDT, but all of a sudden it's it's too much butter and uh, saturated demand, basically, and we're seeing things return to where they should be. So it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. We've had a lot of, lot of supply on the ground, straight into butter factories because the butter price was good, and now it's all falling over again. Yeah, we're certainly dealing with our own excess fat issues here in the U.S., especially as we um, travel through spring flush here. It's been a really strong season. Speaking to the real driver behind these incredible milk prices this year, demand from China for whole milk powder looks like they could very well outpace the sort of volumes we saw them purchase during the last bull market. Have you got a strong opinion on that either way, on whether China's demand will maintain strength or if we'll start to see them fall off a bit here? Yeah, so we've definitely seen China's demand being quite consistent. We've had one GDT where we thought they were going to falter on their demand, that first one in April. Uh, however, they've come back and they're still buying mass quantities of homework powder. So it looks like they're very consistent. And we're talking to people that have a bit of a touch in the, in the Chinese market. In market, they still want homework powder, but that demand of liquid milk consumption is actually driving that switch to importing uh, more homework powder to sort of appease their own powder needs. And we're seeing that with our import data and export data too, that liquid milk out of New Zealand has gone off the charts. And Fonterra themselves are early in the season were struggling to, to drop a line, basically, of uh, liquid milk to do maintenance, basically. So that need for liquid milk in China is backing the need for whole milk powder too because Chinese producers are switching out as well. So in the long term, or even, sorry, the short term, we do actually see this demand of China for whole milk powder continuing. We're seeing that on the NZX derivatives market. Whole milk powder futures are, are tracking really nicely. That forward curve is moving up quite well and a lot of open interest and a lot of trading. So... On the whole, my opinion is that we do expect short-term homework powder to continue, 
However, we always, always have this concern that China will at one point, you know, slow down or stop and usually happens very abruptly like the last time we saw this sort of um, bull run on, on prices and demand. So very cautious, but also reasonably optimistic that it will last for a few more months yet at, at the minimum. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. You know, China's protein shortages and uh, dealing with some other food shortages due to weather hiccups that they've seen alongside the pandemic have certainly driven this strong need for dairy products, especially with the government kind of pushing that consumption mm. as well and, and telling individuals that, hey, consume dairy uh, to be a healthier person and potentially avoid virus risks. So yeah, thank you so much for that opinion. I really appreciate it. God, I could talk about this stuff all day, but I think I'll wrap this up with one more thought. Where do your concerns lie for logistical constraints within New Zealand? We're seeing headlines here in Chicago about trucking delays because of high demand for lumber within New Zealand, but also seaport congestion due to the shortage of workers. Are these expected to create any concerns for dairy in the medium term? So we, we obviously we're talking to the guys putting the stuff on the boats and they're saying that there are constraints there. They are struggling with the global shipping delay. Fonterra has been very productive and they're in what they call an emergency plan where they push things out for, you know, they plan to have things on a boat earlier than they normally would to deal with delays. So we're seeing that already and that's been happening for months and months and months. So Fonterra is all about it and making these things happen. They still have a few hiccups on the way through, but they're pretty confident they're getting most of their stuff on board. However, they are still worried about things getting off the boat on the other side properly, so they're dealing with those things. We compare that with what Sinlay is doing, and Sinlay, actually based just down the road from me here as well, have just put in a train uh, line right next to the warehouse to stack straight on the containers straight onto trains and straight into Littleton Harbour. So they're very aware that their trucking has been uh, under pressure, and it also aligns with their carbon and uh, market needs too to, to put a train on and to reduce carbon production. So two two things there, two very different companies, but on the same track of trying to deal with these port issues and changing the transportation logistics within New Zealand to get a better outcome. Frontier has got a far better system. They've got trains to be more to most factories and they, they're utilising those trains better over the short term. Trucking in New Zealand is definitely under pressure. We've seen that over the COVID pandemic in New Zealand, which has been nothing compared to the rest of the world. But we are definitely seeing problems, but most big companies aren't, in New Zealand anyway, are pretty confident they're getting product on board ships and to market. However, they're all very aware that the risks are still there and they're very keen to keep management in place to make sure they can mitigate them as best they can. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Just keep it short and sweet. And I'm so glad I got to catch up with you. Incredibly sad I missed out on my annual trip to visit NZX and all my other favorite people down in New Zealand. And I hope that we get to run into each other soon. No, thank you very much for having me. And uh, we'll always be here when you when the borders open. So yeah, we're looking forward to having you down here. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in receiving more information as well as our analysis, please visit highgrounddairy.com to request a free 30-day trial today. Futures and options trading involves substantial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Thank you.